calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Sidewalk Audio and PatioBooks.com presents The Prince of Hazel and Oak A podcast novel by John Lenahan Book 2 of the Shadow Magic series Read by the author Chapter 28 Ribbons of Gold My return to the Hall of Knowledge was not the triumphant one that I had imagined when I left. News of Arath's death swept through the camp. The usual taciturn imps jabbered among themselves and often broke down into mournful cries. Yogi ran up to me and asked about Tawn. When I shook my head, he threw his head back and turned into a bear. His cry transformed into a roar. It was frightening and heartbreaking. I reached to comfort him, but he growled and swung at me. Even so, I tried again, and this time he let me hug him. He shrunk in my arms, and I was left with this strongest of men crying on my shoulder. Where's Mom? I asked Neve, who was the only one in the headquarters tent. She has returned to Castle Door. How's my father? Oisin lives, but I fear not for long. Neve waited for me to say more. When I didn't, she asked a one-word question. Brendan? Oh, gods, I thought. I'd forgotten that there was something going on between those two. I'm sorry, I said. She dropped her chin and allowed herself one deep sigh, then said, Dahi has called for a war council in half an hour. He should freshen up. Before she left, she held my face in her hands and then kissed my forehead. I am very glad that you are safe, she said. There was hot water, so I washed up a bit and found some clothes. By the time I got to the meeting, everyone was there. Dahi looked up and said, I'm glad you could make it, Prince Connor. I couldn't figure out if he was being sarcastic or not, so I just bowed and found a place to sit. I believe that the attack will come as soon as Kelty's forces arrive. This is good. It means that tomorrow's battle will only be half of the day. Kelty's attacking tomorrow? I blurted. If we're lucky, tomorrow's attack will not be until the afternoon, or late morning at the worst. When did we find this out? We, 
meaning everyone here found out 15 minutes ago when they arrived at the War Council on time. Dahi said, laying to rest my doubt over whether his greeting had been sarcastic or not. We must assume the attack is imminent. With your escape, Connor, Kielty knows that surprise is no longer on his side. He will attack swiftly, before we can call for reinforcements. Our Puka Hawk scout has just confirmed my suspicions. The Brownian Banshee army is less than a day's march away. A day, I said to myself. I was hoping to join the contingent that rode to Castle Door for reinforcements. I was hoping to see Dad before it was too late. Now looking around the faces in the room, I knew I couldn't leave. Tomorrow we make a stand, and the only thing I could hope for was to survive the day. As you must have heard by now, the Turlo has betrayed us, Dahi said without emotion. I looked to Essa. Other than her jaw clenching, she too showed nothing. This means the enemy knows our strengths and our weaknesses. We can put this to good use. We have erected stone ramparts on three sides of the hall, but the western ridge above the valley, as you know, is undefended. This is where the main attack will come. Kielty will be certain that there is no way for us to defend the hill from a frontal assault. Tonight, we will prove him wrong. I turned to Yogi, who was next to me. What's he talking about? I whispered, but the puka shushed me. Archers, go with Master Spiag to the battlements. The rest of you grab a shovel and come with me. Any thoughts of spending my last night resting and reminiscing about the shortness of my life were dashed when I got to the hill. This was going to be a big job. Using swords, long strips of turf were carefully cut from the ground, and then shallow trenches were dug the length of the entire hill. Five impromptu gold forges were set up on the summit. Leprechaun goldsmiths hammered long strips of thick gold ribbons that were then laid into the trenches. Essa, Neve, and a handful of imp and leprechaun sorceresses spent most of the night keening and encanting their mumbo-jumbo over the gold. Then the turf was carefully replaced. It was only a couple of hours before dawn by the time we were finished. I saw Essa almost swoon when she placed a spell over the last strips of gold. I ran over, placed her arm around my neck, and walked her back to her tent. She was almost unconscious when I laid her down, but before I could go, she said, Stay. I held her as she instantly dropped off into a heavy sleep. I was glad she asked me to stay. If I was to die tomorrow, these were the arms in which I wanted to spend my last hours. As I held Essa, I slid seamlessly into a dream. Her tent faded away, and we were lying in front of a fireplace back in my home in the real world. I knew at once that this was just a dream and not a prediction. I never had the courage to ask Essa how old she was, but I wouldn't be surprised to find that she had like 50 years on her. Although that makes her a youngster around here, I'm sure she wouldn't appreciate a couple of decades worth of wrinkles just for a tour of my old high school in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Shame. I'd love to show her around where I grew up. I have no idea what she would make of the real world. It would be fun to find out. Saying that, as I watched the fire dance in the fireplace of my old living room, I realized I would never in reality see that light again. I would never go back to my home. I lived in the land now, and 
If I made it through tomorrow's battle, I knew I would only be making one last trip to the real world. That would be to tell Brendan's mother and daughter how he had died. They probably wouldn't believe me, but it was the least I could do. Still in my dream, I was dragged from above by the talons of a dragon. He zoomed me into the sky as the sun was setting and flew me to Castle Door. Ah, the more accustomed I became with dreaming, the more my dreams became just like everyone else's. Here in my subconscious, I acted out my heart's desire. The dragon dropped me into my father's room where he was sitting up drinking a cup of tea. And standing next to his bed were Tawn, Araf, and Brendan all fit and smiling. I reached for my fallen companions. I awoke with the euphoria that for a millisecond follows a dream into wakefulness before the realities of life crush it. My father and my friends were gone and I soon would engage in a hopeless battle. I turned to Essa, but she was gone too. It took all of my will to get out of that bed. I expected everyone to be a hive of busyness, but they weren't. They were just sitting around waiting. Some were writing letters, others were polishing their swords or fussing with their bows. Morale was definitely not good. Spiog spotted me having breakfast in the canteen. You must speak to them. Speak to who? Your troops. They're not my troops, they're Dahi's troops. Dahi is their general, the old archer said. But you are their prince. Look, I told you before, I don't feel comfortable with all this royalty stuff. Spiog scoffed. Since when is your comfort an issue? You are what you are, and what you are is the royal heir to the throne of Dor. These men and women need to know what they are fighting for, and you must tell them. I don't even know what we're fighting for. Well, you had better figure it out fast, Connor. Dahi is massing the troops now. Dahi was finishing up explaining the battle plan when I finally emerged from the canteen. It occurred to me that None of these guys knew anything about the real world, and I thought I might steal a choice speech from history. The first thing that came into mind was, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. That might have been appropriate for Americans safe in their homes during the Great Depression, but these guys did have something to fear, screaming banshees. I toyed with, we shall fight them on the beaches, but the beaches were miles away. And Ich bin Tiernan Nogier would certainly go way over their heads. So as I walked to the front of the eager faces of the troops, my troops, I still didn't know what I was going to say. Friends, Tirnanogians, countrymen, lend me your ears. I instinctively looked around for someone to get the joke, but the only two who could, Brendan and Dad, weren't there. I paused and looked at the eager faces waiting for me to orate some great wisdom, but all I could think of were the people that weren't there. I've only been here a short while, I said quietly. Someone shouted, speak up. I cleared my throat. I've only been here a short while, but during that time I have lost much. My cousin, my friends, and as I speak my father lies dying in door. 
I looked at the soldiers. They were all nodding silently. I know I'm not the only one. You imps and pukas have lost your prince, and we all know of the hardship that you leprechauns suffered when Kielty held the oak throne. It would be easy to say this battle was about revenge. A few cheers popped up in the crowd, but I waved them quiet. But my father once told me that revenge was a poisonous emotion. He said if we must fight, we must fight because it is right. This battle didn't start today. Decades ago, the same people who attack us now trashed the Hazel Lands. They wrecked the Hall of Knowledge and they destroyed everything in it. You know, I once had a teacher in high school. He was a real jerk, but he did say one thing that has always stayed with me. He said, history is not about what we did. It's about who we are. By destroying the Hall of Knowledge, Kyolti and Turlo are not only trying to kill us, they're also trying to kill what we are as people. My mother, using shadow magic, has invented a way to get much of our history back from this place. We must hold on to the Hall of Knowledge. By holding the Hazel Lands long enough for reinforcements to come, we will not only be giving ourselves a chance to live tomorrow, but we will be saving what we were and are. We give ourselves a chance to be remembered. That's what immortality truly is. We stand together at the brains of Tirnanog. Let's kick some banshee tail! A cheer rose up that was so loud and fast it shocked me. Spiog walked up to me and did something he had never done before. He bowed and said, My prince. I did good? I asked. He smiled, a rare smile. You did good. I spent the rest of the day visiting with the troops, basically acting like a prince. I walked around faking being brave, and I actually think I helped calm people. Maybe that's what bravery is, pretending not to be scared. Many soldiers told me stories of their homes and their families that made me realize just how little I truly knew of Tirnanog. It made me determined to save as much of it as I could. Essa was doing pretty much the same thing. I was watching Essa helping a man write a letter when Spiog caught me staring at her. Can I ask you a personal question, Connor? Sure, I said. I thought you and she... The old archer nodded his head towards Essa. I thought you two were, you know, wooing. Oh, master, that was a long time ago. Spiog looked confused and said, I thought you only first arrived in the land last summer. <laughs> I did, I said, laughing. I guess you and I have a different definition of a long time ago. So what happened between you two? so long ago. Well, she tried to kill me. He turned and took a long look at Essa, then looked me in the eyes and said, If I were you, I wouldn't let a little thing like that put me off. It 
It was well into the afternoon when I found myself with Dahi standing on the makeshift battlements. Have you ever fought against the Banshees before? I asked the old warrior. The question made him look older. I have fought with them, never against them. So what about that Banshee's sixth sense? I mean, if they can tell when they're going to win a battle, doesn't that mean we've lost already? Dahi gave me a look like I had just cursed in church. I spoke with the troops about this before you came out this morning. The Banshees have a very good sense of how a battle is going, but they cannot predict the future. Just because they're good at knowing which way the wind blows doesn't mean that that wind cannot change. They're not the mystics they think they are. They drop their trousers to crap just like the rest of us. But if they attack, doesn't that mean the wind is blowing their way? Dahi laughed. (laughs) There's a tornado blowing our way, son. Any fool can see that. I have sent wolves to Castle Door and to the Pukalands. I wanted to send the bird, but I needed her for reconnaissance. He looked up to the sky, but it was empty. Our only hope is to hold out until we get reinforcements. When we do, the Banshees will turn tail. That sense of theirs also tells them when they're going to lose. A screech above us forced our eyes to the sky as a streak of black came towards us. I stepped instinctively back, but Dahi just reached into his satchel and took out a silk robe. The hawk landed between us, and as it raised its head, it continued to grow into a black-haired woman. Dahi handed her the robe. She looked at me, and then, like a bird, sharply turned her head to the general. They are here, she said. You have been listening to The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. You can hear more of their fabulous music at www.lunasa.ie. That's L-U-N-A-S-A dot I-E. You can learn more about Shadow Magic and its author on www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Shadow Magic, book one of the series, is available from HarperCollins in paperback, EPUB, and Kindle formats.